continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. Cannabisradio.com presents the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, September 27th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. I hope you're having a great day, and I hope that you got a chance to watch the, uh, the well, whatever you want to call it, the debate that happened last night on CNN, the first presidential debate of the 2016 election season pitted uh, Secretary Hillary Clinton against Donald. I don't know if you noticed this. I, I, I uh, talk for a living, and so I'm really interested in communication and speech and, and how we interact with one another and framing, of course. And I got to say, from just uh, politics aside, just politics aside, from a framing perspective, Hillary Clinton kicked Donald's ass last night. And notice how I said that. Uh, Hillary Clinton, not once last night, Addressed Donald Trump as Mr. Trump. 28 times she addressed Donald Trump, she called him Donald. By comparison's sake, uh, Donald Trump addressed uh, Mrs. Clinton 22 times as Secretary Clinton and eight times as Hillary. Definitely a calculated move on her part to diminish uh, Donald Trump's standing, to uh, uh, emasculate the Trump brand, to make him a petulant, bratty little kid named Donald. It was just beautiful. And she probably knew he'd have been uh, uh, counseled to call her Mrs., uh, Mrs. Clinton or Secretary Clinton so he could appear all serious and presidential. So he couldn't respond with his you know crooked Hillary stuff like he normally would. I just, uh, it was just brilliant. I had a great time. Now, they, they could have talked a little bit more about the drug war. That would have been nice. But we did hear from Hillary Clinton uh, her rejection of the private prison industry and mass incarceration. So looks like we may have brought her around a little bit on that issue. We'll talk more about that in Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. We'll take your calls as well at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. But coming up in this hour... Got all sorts of stuff to bring to you. At the end of this hour, we'll have a Reformers Reader segment. The Medical Marijuana Guidebook is out. Its author is David Downs, and he's the writer for the San Francisco Gates Smell the Truth blog. He'll be joining us at the end of the hour to talk about the Medical Marijuana Guidebook and his thoughts on Marijuana Election Night. Before that, we've got uh, one of our Marijuana Election Night preview segments to bring you. Uh, We'll be speaking with Michael Weiser. He is a candidate for the United States Congress from Arizona's 4th District, running as a Democrat. He is also the state director for Arizona Normal, so one of ours running for the federal Congress. We'll talk to him about that at half past. Also coming up on the show, some government at work for you as we continue to look at the Marijuana Election Night coming up in November, just Six weeks from today, is it? I can't believe it's that close. Uh, Normal has issued its congressional scorecard, rating the representatives and senators on their marijuana stand. So we'll get a look at that before you head to the ballot in November, uh, head to the 
polls in November, I should say, to cast your ballot. Uh, and then uh, right after the uh, Cannabis Radio News, we've got a special Reefer Madness debunked segment. Uh, we've got the people from Pop Pot. Pop Pot. Parents opposed to Pot Pot. Uh, they are screaming about the connection between mental illness, violence, and marijuana. Particularly, they are blaming the Washington Mall shooting on the shooter's marijuana use. We'll debunk the hell out of that. Plus, in hour two, take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. But first, we start with the Cannabis Radio News. In the headlines today, news from GW Pharmaceuticals, cancer research from Spain, Connecticut, Illinois, and Massachusetts medical marijuana, and a study on energy consumption in marijuana. Coming up. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. We do have John McAfee. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes <laughs> someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind this frightening and in a cyber war. We can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. Okay, maybe you're high too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, September 27th, 2016. 
GW Pharmaceuticals has cleared another hurdle in gaining FDA approval for its drug called Epidiolex, boosting stock value for the British drug maker. Epidiolex is a cannabidiol tincture and designed for the treatment of childhood epilepsy. GW announced the findings from phase three clinical trials showing Epidiolex treatments led to a 42% reduction in seizure activity compared to a 17% reduction for patients taking a placebo. Quote, the good news is this is actually the third positive trial that we have within the field of treatment resistant childhood onset epilepsy that we have reported results for in the last six months. End quote. GW Pharma CEO Justin Gover told CNBC's Jim Kramer on Monday. GW expects to submit Epidiolex for FDA approval in early 2017. If approved, the 16 states with limited CBD-only medical marijuana laws could conceivably repeal those laws in favor of Epidiolex, which would be legal in all 50 states. Spanish researchers in Madrid have published data that suggest cannabis extracts are, quote, promising tools, end quote, in the treatment of prostate and breast cancer. The University of Madrid scientists studied the role of cannabidiol, the non-psychoactive marijuana component called CBD, on preventing the spread of these cancers that kill 40,000 women and afflict 180,000 men annually. They noted that cannabidiol was found to have, quote, direct anti-tumor effects, end quote, and helped conventional anti-tumor drugs to work more effectively. Their study adds to over four decades of research that finds cannabinoids to attack cancer cells without disrupting healthy ones. Starting October 1, Connecticut's Department of Consumer Protection is accepting applications for researchers to study medical marijuana. Legislators modified the state's four-year-old medical marijuana law to allow hospitals, universities, growers, and dispensaries to study cannabis and cannabinoids. Part of the reform was to move cannabis to Schedule 2 in the state's controlled substances laws, which defines the herb as having recognized medical use in the state. The federal Schedule 1 designation still applies, which has impeded most cannabis research. However, an appropriations amendment currently forbids the federal government from prosecuting citizens and organizations acting in accordance with their state's medical marijuana law. DCP Commissioner Jonathan Harris states that, quote, Connecticut could become the focal point for medical cannabis research, end quote, thanks to the reforms. A doctor who recommends medical marijuana for patients in southern Illinois is facing a state and federal investigation. Dr. Bodo Schneider is responsible for writing the recommendations for nearly half of the state's 4,400 registered patients. Illinois' strict medical marijuana law requires a bona fide physician-patient relationship that isn't simply a patient walking in to get a medical marijuana recommendation. Investigators allege that the doctor's sheer volume of recommendations bring into question the legitimacy of the recommendations that cost his patients over $300 a year. Schneider counters that he requires multiple visits of patients before writing a recommendation and six-month checkups to ensure continuation of a bona fide relationship. Schneider could lose his license over the allegations if proven true. He believes the state's governor is targeting his practice to thwart the expansion of Illinois' medical marijuana program. A spokesman for Governor Bruce Rauner denies the accusation. Meanwhile, in Massachusetts, a judge has decided that a medical marijuana doctor should not have had his license suspended by the state. Dr. John C. Nadolny, 
the medical director of Canacare Docs, was accused by Massachusetts Board of Registration and Medicine of improperly allowing nurse practitioners to write recommendations for thousands of patients at eight clinic locations throughout the Commonwealth. Administrative Magistrate Kenneth Brethsler ruled Monday that Nadolny did no wrong in delegating the recommendation duties since the nurse practitioners already had the, quote, independent authority to do so. Cannabis cultivation indoors in America could account for as much energy consumption as data centers in the country, according to a new report released by Berkeley. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, September 27th, 2016. I'm Russ Belleville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Dear Mom, when I was in college, I used to drink a lot. It was kind of crazy. But now that I'm older, I prefer to use marijuana. It's less harmful to my body, I don't get hungover, and honestly, I feel safer around marijuana users. I hope this makes sense, but if not, let's talk. I love you. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. Marijuana is an addictive drug which produces in its users insanity from an and death. Marijuana is the most violence-causing drug in the history of mankind. If the hideous monster Frankenstein came face-to-face with the monster of marijuana, he dropped it from fright. You know, it's not easy countering seven decades of propaganda in a two-hour show, but let's try. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Reefer Madness Debunked. 
All right, welcome everybody. In our Reefer Madness debunk today, we take a look at the website for the group called Parents Opposed to Pot. Uh, they call themselves Pop Pot, which is redundant. That would be Parents Opposed to Pot Pot, <laughs> but okay, Pop Pot. And they've got a website out there called StopPot2016.com. Uh, the the founder of this uh, group is called Roger Morgan, uh, and he's a anti-drug activist. Carla Lowe, uh, Scott Chipman, and Dr. Ron Allen are also involved. You may know Dr. Ron. He's the uh, Reverend uh, African-American reverend who is vocal in the anti-legalization movement. And on their website, they have uh, published a piece entitled, Washington Shooter Had a Marijuana History. And it's the latest of these scaremongering pieces with zero basis in science <laughs> to uh, scare the uh, parents out there, scare the uh, voters into rejecting marijuana legalization. And, and this tactic is one of the most disgusting and disturbing developments in the anti-legalization movement. It's one that we first saw rear its ugly head in the form of Christine Tatum, the Denver-based journalist uh, who is married to Dr. Christian Thurstone, a major state drug rehabber who is a founding board member of Kevin Sabet's Project Sam. Christine Tatum was awfully fond of noting how whenever there was a, a, a shooting or a terrorist attack, that the person involved in it had a history of using marijuana. Uh, she gained my attention when the Boston Marathon bombing happened. And she called out the Sarnayev brothers for their history of marijuana use, claiming that marijuana is what's driving people to go insane, to go psycho and want to shoot places up or blow up road races and so forth. Well, this meme is developing within the anti-legalization community, although the mainstreamers won't touch it. Kevin Sabet won't touch it. Most of the guys with uh, some sense won't touch this one because there's just no solid scientific backing for it. And it dredges up the old reefer madness going to become an axe murderer type of uh, framing that they're desperately trying to distance themselves from, but not the pop pot people. Uh, according to uh, their story here, they say uh, that cannabis use is always relevant in cases of mental imbalance. If someone's got a mental problem, then their cannabis use, you have to be able to call that up and be able to blame it. This is a, the Burlington Mall shooting that happened. Three people were, or uh, five people were killed by 20-year-old Arkan Seaton, uh, who uh, took a gun and just started shooting people in the mall. Now, his record shows that he's got, been arrested, three charges of domestic violence, and drunk driving. Uh, the Seattle Times reports that he was homeless when he was in high school, and uh, they report that uh, he was... Uh, undergoing mental health evaluations involved in a misdemeanor that uh, he committed. And then they asked about his cannabis use and they note that he was a cannabis user, but that the judge and the uh, system did not note that in this case. Well, listen, pop pot people, you keep trying to connect marijuana to these violent acts. I'd ask you to take a look at whether these people were uh, frequent consumers of alcohol or caffeine or most particularly the antidepressant drugs that we've seen in the shooters and the terrorists 
in recent cases. Correlation does not imply causation. These people may have mental problems in the first place, and the only reason they're using marijuana is to mitigate the symptoms that are causing them so much problems. We don't know how much more violent these guys might have been without their marijuana. It's a disgusting, disgusting tactic, and we really need to call these people out on it. Absolutely. Denial ain't just the river in Egypt. That sound means it's 20 after, and that means it's 420 in the mountain time zone. Happy 420 to our friends in the Rockies. We got to take a break. Our union mandated safety briefing is happening. And when we return, we'll talk about Normal's congressional scorecard. How did your representatives stack up? We'll find out right after this. Maui Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. We love it. I'm Radical Russ Belville, inviting you to join me every weekday on CannabisRadio.com for the Russ Belville Show. It's the NPR of P.O.T. We bring you the latest marijuana headlines, cannabis analysis, drug war data, activist interviews, radical rants, and your live calls. Join me every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, live only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Today in Government at Work, we take a look at the latest contribution by Normal's Deputy Director, Paul Armentano. It's uh, listed up at thehill.com, the blog for Congress, and it's entitled Congress Out of Step with Nation on Marijuana Laws. And it refers to Normal's uh, uh, production of the Congressional Scorecard. Normal's Congressional Scorecard grades the members of the United States House and the Senate on a typical letter grade from A to F, uh, where A, of course, is the people that are publicly supporting 
the regulating of marijuana for adults. You get a letter B grade if you support medical marijuana. You get a letter C if you're a state's rights person. You get a letter D if you haven't expressed any support for marijuana law reform. And an F if you are a vocal opponent of marijuana law reform. A for legalization, B for medical, C for states' rights, D for no opinion, and F for prohibition. Now, the grading is based on the Congress members' 2015 and 2016 voting records and public statements, their sponsorship or co-sponsorship of marijuana legislation, and sponsorship or co-sponsorship of budgetary amendments regarding marijuana. And what we find uh, statistically here of our Congress is that of the 535 members, there's 435 representatives, 100 senators, 330 of the members, 62% of them, get a passing grade of C or higher. So more than half of our Congress is at least at the level of allowing the states to move forward with reform without interference from the federal government. Of those 330, there are just 22 that get an A. 22 representatives and senators, 20 reps, two senators, get an A for their vocal support of marijuana legalization. 254 members get a B for their support of medical marijuana. We find that uh, of the 233 Democrats in Congress, 92% of them get a passing grade. Of the 302 Republicans, 37% of them get a passing grade. I always like to bring this up because when the elections come around within the cannabis community, there are people that kind of have an anti-government, anti-authority attitude, and they'll say, that doesn't matter. They're all the same. There's not a lick of difference between the two of them. And maybe that's true on some other issues. Maybe that's true with respect to plutocracy and corruption, all those kind of things. But if we're just going to limit it to their stand on marijuana and whether or not we are going to move forward with reform, the Democratic Party is certainly more on our side, generally speaking, than the Republican Party. That's just based on these statistics. Now, the, uh, the congressional scorecard is available uh, at the um, normal website, and you can uh, find out more information there. There's also um, very interesting uh, data to be mined based on the responses here. Americans, in the last few polls, last 10 of them, support marijuana legalization. We got 58% in some of the latest polls, 55% in some of the polls. So well over half of Americans support legalization, yet only 4% of their elected representatives in Congress support legalization. So we get 4% compared to the 58% they represent. And we see a similar breakdown when it comes to medical cannabis policy. You get about 51% of the uh, Congress that supports medical marijuana. So that's good. We got a majority of Congress finally on board with medical marijuana after 20 years. But the uh, support for medical marijuana among the public is well into the 70 and 80% range. It is difficult to find any other issue where the American people are so much more in support of the issue than the elected officials that represent them. Numerous studies have shown that what the people want 
however, isn't how Congress people dictate their actions. It's what the elite 1% want. Uh, this isn't just uh, some Occupy Wall Street ranting. This is actual social, sti- social science, social uh, surveys that have shown that the will of the voters, their public opinion on issues has a statistically insignificant effect on the voting patterns of Congress. But people whose incomes are within the top 1%, how they feel about issues has a great effect on whether or not bills get introduced, passed, and become law in this country. So it would stand to reason that we, the people, the public, that is so greatly in support of marijuana legalization and medical marijuana, simply lack the big money to make that view important to our Congress critters. No, it's the big view of CEOs of pharmaceutical companies and alcohol brewers and people that own stock in private prisons and drug testing and rehabs. Those people who see the threat to their bottom line are the ones who have the ear of our representatives and our senators. But as marijuana legalization continues to sweep across this nation and we continue to build more vibrant and growing enterprises in the states that legalize medical and recreational cannabis, we will have that money as, an, as a lobby, as a constituency. We will have that influence to start affecting the senators and the representatives. It's only a matter of time, and we can do what we can do to hasten the, the approach of that day when our Congress finally gets behind marijuana reform to the level we do. Call your congressman, call your senators, 202 uh, four eight three zero 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 zero. I think. Now look it up. Look up the phone number for the Congress. Call your congressman. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Not enough money for schools. Since we made marijuana legal, our schools are better and our kids have more opportunities. Crowded courts mean police cannot protect our streets. The great thing is that here in Colorado, law enforcement is able to focus on the number one priority for all of us, which is preventing violent crime. Never enough money. Since the passage of Amendment 64, I have seen an increase in resources for our schools. It's your turn to regulate marijuana. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter. 
and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, in our continuing coverage of the most pivotal election for marijuana reform in my lifetime. We are interviewing some of the candidates who are running for office, uh, in, in particular, candidates who have a history of not just supporting marijuana reform, but actually walking the walk, doing the activism work themselves to ensure that we can help end adult marijuana prohibition. Joining us to discuss this is a candidate for the United States Congress coming out of Arizona's 4th District, running as a Democrat. His name is Michael Weiser, and uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I just came back from putting up signage out in the country. so That's good uh, news. Good now, to be sitting still and inside. That's right. Now, Michael, your background uh, in reform is with Arizona Normal. Tell folks uh, how you've been involved. Well, I grew up in a drug-importing part of the United States, the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. During the 70s and 80s, that was a major importation point for, for marijuana. And so I was steeped in that culture you know, from, from teenagehood on. Um, and when I got to Arizona, um, I was already a cannabis user. In 2010, my wife ran for uh, state senate, and she came out in favor of legalization, and she wasn't a cannabis user. And I said, if she's got the balls to do that, <laughs> I can certainly stand up for it myself. The next year, I was uh, one of the leaders in our local Occupy. I was asked to run for Congress. The Democratic Party said that they needed a candidate. So off I went on this adventure. One wow. of the first steps was to get a medical card. Um, and yeah, three years later, normal asked me to be the state director. It was a hell of a three years, by the way. Well, that's fantastic. Sorry about that. I, I had a disconnection here on the uh, on my side. Uh, so you've been involved here uh, with uh, marijuana reform, and you're running as a Democrat in Arizona's uh, 4th District for uh, U.S. Congress. Yeah. Uh, what's the district like? Uh, how, how do they what's the area there in Arizona and how do they uh, respond to your uh, candidacy? Well, uh, Arizona added Congressional District 4 in 2012 after, you know, the the census to um, 
address what life is like for people in the rural parts of Arizona, especially along the Colorado River. Hmm. So the district is about a third of the land area of the state. It's all the Colorado River, the western parts, the ex-herbs around Phoenix. It's not the most conservative uh, congressional district in the state, but it's pretty far there. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah, they do a pretty good job of being conservative around here. However, the thing about Arizona and the thing about cannabis is cannabis does cross the voter lines. Like, the Republican Party is not working for marijuana in any way whatsoever, but there's a lot of Republicans that are smokers. And through my work in, within the party and, you know, the help of lots of others, in 2014, we got the party to endorse legalization. And then we repeated that fact uh, when Prop 205 was filed. And nationally, I was part of the, the Bernie delegates mm -hmm. that helped push the, the national platform to promote uh, legalization. So um, it's been... You know, like I said, since 2010 of working on expanding this, but, mm -hmm. but now we have uh, the strength of the entire Democratic Party in Arizona pushing for Prop 205 and, and an end of the drug war. That's fantastic news. We're speaking with Michael Weiser running for U.S. Congress from Arizona's District 4. And uh, Michael, is there an incumbent in that seat currently? Is it a Republican you're running against? Oh, you betcha. Not just an incumbent, but a jolly prohibitionist incumbent. Uh, a guy named Paul Gosar. He's a dentist uh, originally uh, from Wyoming. Uh, got lives in Flagstaff, which isn't in the district, but yeah, that's how that goes sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and he has introduced anti-medical uh, card legislation at uh, the federal level. In fact, one of his pieces was an attempt to to stop uh, federal benefits to anyone with a medical card oh wow so, so it's about as draconian as you can get right yeah pretty much yeah. cut you cut you off if, yeah. you, uh, he's, he, if you're using medicine in a state that allows it yeah gotcha right right uh and just to keep in mind when i say as draconian as we can get last week we had a man in north carolina shot to death as punishment for smoking marijuana mm -hmm. you know uh Keith Lamont Scott, the cops were looking for somebody else in the parking lot, and they saw him smoking a blunt and came over and ultimately shot him to death. And that's how serious our drug laws are. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it is uh, imperative that we end this civil rights abuse. And that's uh, kind of what inspired me. I'd been a, a social studies teacher, a political writer. I call myself a humorist. Sometimes people laugh at my columns. At least they were publishing them. <laughs> and all, all of that was pretty good, but it wasn't having the, the impact that I felt we needed. And there's, there's no single uh, social issue with the transformative power of ending cannabis prohibition. There's, there's nothing else we could work on right now that can change America as profoundly, I think. Yeah, I agree. Now, you're running against a Republican incumbent who is a dyed-in-the-wool prohibitionist, a drug warrior. You, of course, are uh, quite the outspoken legalizer and reformer. How is the race mm -hmm. shaping up? Do the, do the people of the 4th District, uh, are they ready to reject this guy in favor of reform? Uh, you know, uh, I signed up for the long game when they asked me to run in twelve. 
Uh, I committed to at least three election cycles, and it may take more than this. But uh, we've gained significantly between the 14 and the 16 cycle. We have a 25% increase in our share of the vote. I'm still the underdog in the general election. But more importantly, I'm my main campaign issue is legalization. And here in Arizona, we have uh, Prop 205, which I had helped uh, author when I was uh, a political director of a uh, former organization, Safer Arizona. I, I take a lot of, of pride in what we've accomplished at writing a tax and regulation structure that can can do significant changes to the drug war here in Arizona. That said, I've been using my campaign to make sure that we have legalization in the state. That's, that's my main thrust. Mm. So uh, that race actually... That's a toss-up right now. We have the upper hand in the polling, but it's a narrow upper hand. So I'm uh, putting all my reserves and my energies into supporting Prop 205 through my massive congressional district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, uh, Arizona initiative, the uh, Prop 205 of the polling I've seen is sitting at, uh, what was it, 50 to 43, 50 to 40, something like that? Yes. Yes, with uh, the remainder being undecided. And in this state, you know, we have a couple of different uh, challenges. The Prosecuting uh, Attorneys Association are the head of a PAC that is working against legalization. So, you know, law enforcement structure and and the governor, who is a a right-wing conservative, social conservative, Doug Ducey. Mm-hmm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, um, we have a revival of a California organization, Stoners Against Legalization, <laughs> that have been fighting me tooth and nail since uh, ever since we got the Prop 205 filed in April of 15. Um, I don't know why they're so committed to preserving the underground economy, but... Uh, but they sure are. I've I've generally found that uh, people that oppose marijuana reform have a financial interest in the status quo. But that's just speculation on my part. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, Michael, is there? Uh, uh, are they making any headway? These uh, these stoners against legalization in Arizona. What I've seen, I've seen some of uh, Ray Stearns reporting on it. Uh, but are, are they making a splash, or is this just kind of a tempest in a teapot? Well, uh, for the first year, they had the upper hand in, in the cannabis community. They introduced uh, an initiative that I unfortunately had been part of the drafting process on as well, back when we were trying to set up you know, our negotiations with MPP. We wrote an initiative that we thought was going to be really solid, and then that got polished through several cycles and became this other initiative. For a year... They dominated the social circle with that initiative. And then June 1st, 2016, a month before the filing, their campaign manager pulls the plug in a very shady way. There's a lot of recrimination in their community that he had been a setup and they had been duped. They lost a lot of respectability. They've continued to try to to function, but uh, his leadership is floundering. And uh, we're hoping that, you know, coming out with uh, true perspectives on some of the, the pr- propaganda that they've been putting out against Prop 205 will 
inform the educated cannabis voter in Arizona because that's uh, that's the kind of people that that I know are going to make or break this election. Absolutely. Well, Michael, we appreciate you standing up for uh, cannabis legalization in Arizona and taking that fight uh, to the U.S. Congress. Give people real quick uh, any website or contact info they need to be able to help you out. Yeah. The, so uh, in addition to being a congressional candidate at M-I-K-E-L-W-E-I-S-S-E-R dot O-R-G, that's michaelweiser.org, I'm also the state director of Normal here in Arizona. That's Arizona Normal at dot O-R-G. So either of those websites would be a great way to learn more about our work. Uh, for people in the Southwest, uh, one of the, our organizations, one of the lead organizers of the upcoming uh, Southwest Cannabis Conference, October 14th through 16th, and I'll hope to see you there. All this right, is thank the you. Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you, Michael Weiser. Good luck in your congressional race. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The best weapon you can have in the Prohibition War is your mind. Fill your head with the knowledge you need by checking out this latest entry in the Russ Belleville Show's Reformer's Reader. 
Welcome back, everyone. In today's Reformers Reader, we're visiting with a great activist there in Northern California and a great writer who's been bringing you so much of the information you read online about the, the ongoing war to end marijuana prohibition. We've got David Downs from the San Francisco Gates Smell the Truth column joining us. And uh, David, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Russ. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you here because I, I got a notice from your uh, publicist uh, that you've got a new book out, the Medical Marijuana Guidebook, and I was hoping you could tell our listeners a little bit about it. Sure, Russ. Um, I've been doing this column called Legalization Nation in the East Bay Express since 2009, and ever since we started uh, reporting this professional uh, journalistic you know, um, enterprise, we've received tons of calls and emails and personal requests to provide basic information on medical marijuana. And it goes something like this. My doctor recommended medical marijuana for my partner or my um, you know, spouse. And, but that's all the doctor would say. He just zipped his lips and he wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't give me a recommendation. He wouldn't tell me where to go or what to do. And America has millions of basic questions about how to safely and legally access medical cannabis in the now 35 states that it's legal. And so I thought I wanted to put together a handbook or a guidebook for patients and their caregivers to take these basic steps. And it's a combination of the DMV, where you got papers to fill out, and then a little bit of Yelp, where you have to cast about and find good places, find good products, and try to use them safely. You know, and I ran the idea by patients. They were super stoked on it. They said, David, you have to do this book. And then a publisher came along and was looking for book ideas. And I said, you know, I'm going to write this anyway if you guys want to take a crack at it. They said, we love it. Give it to us. Get us out. Get, we want to get it out. And so now it's hitting the shelves nationally at places like Barnes & Noble and Amazon and, and all over the place. Wow, that's fantastic information for people to get their hands on, not just why cannabis works, what it's good for, but also the, the nuts and bolts of how do you actually follow these laws. Uh, uh, do you have a, like, I imagine you break down kind of what the differences are between, say, a California with pretty wide open you know, and, and home growing versus, a, say, a Minnesota where you can't even get the plant. Is, is, there a, is there like a table or something like that in there? Exactly. This is the first book, as far as I know, to put things together the way the patients have to every day between the legal aspect and then the usage aspect. And there's a section three of the book goes through each state and tells you how to get legal in each of those states. And doing that research, you quickly learn that there's easy access states like California, and then there's states that have access only in name. And I'm talking about the usual bad actors down in the South, like the Georgias and the Floridas of the world, places that have a CBD law, but access by all intent, for all intents and purposes, is impossible. And so I rate each state according to the ease of access, from easy to medium to hard to next to impossible. <laughs> okay. And uh, for the uh, reader there that's picking up the medical marijuana guidebook, uh, uh, what are some of the misconceptions, one of the common things that you find patients misunderstand that the book helps to clear up? Well, you know, there are so many different types of people in the world interested in medical marijuana, and they're at such different spots along the learning curve. So you have some people who are already believers, and they just need some studies to back up what they know to be true, which is that medical marijuana works for, say, their Crohn's disease. And they want to get their you know, primary physician to give them a recommendation so they can br now they can bring the book in, point to the you know, part of the end notes that talks about the studies covering Crohn's disease, and go, look, this, I'm not crazy. This is working. This is the studies to prove it. You have a, as a doctor, you have, according to your Hippocratic oath, you have to study up on this. And doctors aren't learning about this in the United States. 
That's true. We see uh, the 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 uh, estimate I hear is that uh, only fourteen percent of the doctors' uh, medical schools actually discuss the endocannabinoid system. And try to imagine going to a mechanic if only one out of seven had been told what the transmission system is. Yeah, and like I talked to um, wholly different um, communities. You know, the, the only a small percentage of Americans have any experience with medical marijuana or dispensers. The vast majority of them, you know, they're like black box, black box facilities for them, and they don't know anything. And so when I meet with them at places like Commonwealth Clubs and other sort of community talks, they have some of the most basic and best questions you can imagine. I've sat down with 80-year-old ladies with arthritis that asked me, David, what is one dose of cannabis or or how can I get, can I get addicted? Is it addictive? Or can I overdose? And I feel like maybe a lot of insiders might chuckle, but that's where the state of knowledge in America about this plant and about this science is they're looking for the basics. And these basics really are just a Google search away. But the problem is they don't know what to search or where to search for, and they don't know who to trust. And so I wanted to create a book that rounded up all the information for them and gave them the valid sources. So they felt like they had some firm ground underneath them to go forward. So this is something you might be able to get for, say, uh, an older relative, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, who has, is curious about how medical cannabis could help them, but such a noob that they would still need to know, like have explicit instructions on how to say, you know, run a vaporizer or, or what, what to worry about when eating a cookie. So it's kind of, you can get down to the really basic level if you need to with this book. Is that right? Precisely. My uncle is an insomniac. He hasn't slept in decades. And he came out to California for a visit. He got access to some um, tincture and he slept for the first night in decades. And his wife, poor thing, you know, she wrote me being like, this has changed the game for us. We need to fully get up to speed. Crap, we're moving to Colorado just so we have the, the you know, civil liberties to treat his health problems the way we need to treat them. It's for new bud tenders who should know this stuff before they serve a patient. It's for policymakers who should know this stuff before they write a law. It's for um, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie. I tell people, you know, do you know someone in your life who could be saved or benefited by medical marijuana? And almost everyone says yes. And I go, well, then this is the book for them because, you know, again, you have the knowledge. This is a way to pass it on systematically, you know, and it might be a good Christmas gift to boot. The book is called The Me- Medical Marijuana Guidebook. David Downs is the author. Check out Barnes & Noble and other uh, booksellers for information. Is there, is there a Facebook or a website for the book that people could look up? Definitely. You know, one of the big things about America and medical marijuana right now is that the laws are changing fast. The science is rapidly advancing. We thought of this. We have a website called at, uh, www.usmmj.org, like United States Medical Marijuana.org. And USMMJ is where you can go and purchase the book direct from me. I'm retailing it. That means I get to keep the, um, the margins. You get to support the author. I will personally um, address the book to you, sign it, and put it in the mail to you. You can uh, just buy directly on the site at USMMJ.org. That site also includes links to other places where you could buy it, whether it's Amazon or Whitman. And um, that site is where updated information is going to be going for the book for anybody who owns the book and wants to stay abreast of changes. So we have an Ohio page we got to roll out. We have a Pennsylvania page we have to roll out. We have to update the California page. And we're going to keep updating the website and then reverse publish back into print every couple of years. 
Hmm. Great idea. So much is changing so rapidly, and you're right there in the heart of it in the Bay Area of California as uh, Prop 64 is on the ballot, and people are excited all around the world for the possibility of California passing legalization. There's also been the uh, change in the medical marijuana regulations there, and I understand there's a ton of things on local ballots as far as bans and taxes and so forth. Uh, are you are you beginning to feel overwhelmed? What's your take on uh, this election cycle just six weeks out from the biggest marijuana vote in the world? Russ, it's no sleep till election day and probably a few days afterwards. We're really in in the you know the grind here. I just got my official voter information guide in the mail. It's thicker than my book. It's <laughs> thicker than most magazines. You know, this whole direct democracy democracy thing is really gone to the next level with initiatives in California. Everyone gets to sharpen their pencil and play armchair regulator, armchair policymaker, armchair criminal defense attorney, and go through um, these uh, initiatives. Prop 64 is here and it's real. It's in the uh, voter guide. And um, there's certainly some opposition arguments which aren't true. And we're, we're promised to have a real heated, lengthy debate for the next 40 or so days until voters go to the polls on this. It's polling at around 60 percent, which sounds good. But every reformer I talk to say complacency has become the number one enemy of reform in California. If the kids don't show up, if the adults don't tell their friends to vote on this, it could very well easily fail and fail by a narrow margin on Election Day, which is November 8th. And registration ends you know, for voting this October. So kids who are in college need to register in their hometown, you know, register in their college towns and so on and so forth, so that their voice is heard on the matter. I recently spoke to rapper Wiz Khalifa, who lives in Los Angeles with his boy, and he supports Prop 64. He said he supports the one-ounce limit in public. He said, that's enough. And I was like, okay, well, are you voting this year? He said, nah, I'm not going to vote. And I said, why? I mean, you have a chance to, you know, make your opinion known. And he said something along the lines of, "Um, well, you know, whoever's going to get in office, they're going to legalize it either way, so I don't need to vote. And I think that's a real danger, that that thought out there is is very common in reform communities. We're sitting on our laurels and feeling pretty good about ourselves, and this thing could easily swing back, and we could be starting down a whole new path. Absolutely right. Don't take it for granted, folks. Make sure you check out your registration. You can go to usa.vote.gov. And they've got links to all 50 states. Check your registration. You can't over-register. If you're not sure, go do it anyway, right? Can't over-register. And you want to make sure that you take play, take part in this Marijuana Election Night 2016. David Downs from uh, uh, Legalization Nation, Smell the Truth, working out there in the Bay. The book is called The Medical Marijuana Guidebook. And you can find out more at usmmj.org. Buy it directly from David and uh, help him make a buck. David, thanks for joining us here on the show today. Good luck with the book and especially good luck in the election. Thanks so much, Radical Russ, and thank you to readers and listeners. I appreciate your time. You guys all take care. And that's all the time we got for our first hour here, but stay tuned. Hour two is coming up. Toker Talk Radio. We'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. We'll be taking a look at uh, Croptober coming up here at the end of this uh, end of this week here in Oregon, it begins, and on October first, new rules go into effect that could throw a monkey wrench into our fledgling marijuana program. 
For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't change it. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. And don't listen to Dan Michaels. He doesn't know the new phone number. The new phone number here is 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. And that phone line is open right now. Topics are open right now. You can ask me questions on cannabis, science, culture, history, health, the different propositions, the ballot initiatives, politics, stoners against legalization, medical marijuana, industrial hemp, whatever you want to know, just give us a call, 650-LEGAL-MJ. And that's open 24 hours a day. You can leave voice messages there as well if you're interested. We uh, take messages all the time, and from time to time, we will play them back here on the show. So uh, give us a call, and uh, we will uh, put you on the air. Now, uh Coming up in this hour, we're going to, in the next segment, talk about Clinton. Not Hillary, not Bill. We're going to talk about Chelsea Clinton, the uh, daughter of the former president and secretary of state, who, uh, unlike most young women her age, uh, doesn't seem to have much marijuana experience, doesn't seem to know very much about it. Uh, unlike Malia Obama, uh, who uh, <laughs> seems to be... Uh, 
puff and tough, uh, Chelsea seems to be suffering a little bit of reefer madness. So in the next segment, we will uh, discuss that a little bit. Coming up after the uh, safety briefing, uh, we're going to take a deeper look here at the state of Oregon, where an October 1st deadline is looming that could throw a monkey wrench into our fledgling marijuana system here. And uh, a lot of people are very concerned. So we'll give you the latest updates on that from the Oregonian and other sources. And as far as the election goes, oh, my goodness, I had so much fun uh, watching the debate last night. Uh, It was just enjoyable as hell. And a lot of people are remarking about Donald Trump and his case of the sniffles. There's a hashtag out even hashtag Trump sniffles. Uh, He was sniffing numerous times throughout the debate, and it led Governor Howard Dean to tweet that uh, Trump was sniffling a lot. Is he a Coke user? Is he on cocaine? Now, other people made this quip, too, and it was, you know, Stephen Colbert on his live show right after the debate made the joke, made the cocaine joke, and and people on Twitter were saying it, right? But Governor Dean, uh, you're supposed to have some, you know, gravitas. You're supposed to be a serious spokesman, a serious statesman, uh, and that's an inappropriate sort of dig, okay? Uh, Remember when, in 2008, the Hillary Clinton campaign was trying to make hay out of Barack Obama's past cocaine and marijuana use. And we called her out over that and she was forced to apologize. Well, the same goes for Donald Trump and God, I hate being in the position of having to defend Donald Trump, but whether or not he is a cocaine user is the least disqualifying aspect of the man I could possibly think of. In fact, if he is a cocaine user, and I'm not saying that he is, but if he's a cocaine user, I hate him 0.003% less. Because <laughs> at least I know we got something we could talk about. <laughs> and uh, with cocaine, talk and talk and talk and talk about. <laughs> I don't think he's on cocaine. He's not that cool. <laughs> But folks, uh, a person's drug use is their private personal business. It has no bearing on what kind of person they are, their ethics, their integrity, their character. I'd take Tony Montana as president of the United States over Donald Trump. We're back with some Chelsea Clinton education when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your cannabis business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call 
Paul Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Obama, for instance, no matter what he said, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be against him for saying whatever it is. Santa Claus is a nice guy. Someone says, oh, Santa Claus must be a thief if Obama <laughs> likes him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a racist attitude. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Beautiful day here in Potland, Oregon. As we close out the month of September, I I can't believe we are almost in October already. Coming this Saturday. My goodness. And, of course, today would be, um, what, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks out. Six weeks from today, 42 days away, we'll be casting our ballots in the most important election in the history of marijuana law reform. And you can listen to all the results as they come in live on our Marijuana Election Night 2016 coverage here live on CannabisRadio.com. Hashtag will be MJ Election Night. And like I said, six hours from an hour before the first polls close on the East Coast and then hour by hour, time zone by time zone, as the polls close across the nation, we will bring you all the results all the way through California. And we'll stay an hour after the polls close in California to give you all the fallout from the various votes. Things are looking really good for marijuana election night. I, I really only see at, you know, one one state for sure where I think we're going to have some problems. And uh, that is the state of Arkansas. Now, we reported on how Arkansas uh, has two medical marijuana initiatives on the ballot. And I thought about this last night. It kind of reminds me of how I learned to split pairs playing blackjack in Las Vegas. Ah, Stay with me now. (laughs) It's like, what? Blackjack? Well, according to the rules of blackjack, uh, this was back when I was in, oh, God, it had to have been um, the 90s, so I'm much younger. 
and I'm just getting interested in blackjack. And I knew the basics, you know, you got to get 21 and the dealer has to, you know, take a card up to 17 and all, you know, the basics of playing blackjack. But I'd never understood this whole splitting hands thing. So I, I took a brief look at one of those cards they have in Vegas and it explained it. It says if you got two cards that are the same rank, you know, like if you get two eights, let's say. You can split that pair, and that just means you take the two cards and split them apart, and they become two separate one-card hands that each get another card. And you play them like two separate hands, and you have two separate bets and, and so forth. And, of course, you get twice the chance to win. So I'm sitting at this table, and it's, it's way late. Uh, well, it's way early. It's like 3 in the morning, and there's only one other guy at the table, this old man, small old man, really had one of them curved backs like he's been sitting over a slot machine or a blackjack table all his life and uh the hands are being dealt and finally i'm dealt two fives and this was the first pair that i'd been dealt since i'd learned about splitting so i was pretty eager to give it a shot so i i took the two fives and i i split them apart and i'm reaching over to get the extra chips for the other bet when that little old man at the end of the table suddenly said, what the hell are you doing splitting fives? <laughs> and I kind of, uh, well, I just froze, right? I'm like, well, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm thinking I'm doing it wrong, right? I'm like, isn't this how you do it? I mean, you put one card here and one card there and you, you put the bet on both of them. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how you do it. Sure. But why are you doing it? Think about it. You got two fives. That's a 10. That's a winner. See, the odds are the next card you're going to get is going to be seven or greater. There's all those face cards in there that are worth 10. So you got a really good chance of getting a hand that's 17 to 21. And that's, a, that's a winning hand to stand on. But if you split those two fives up, you got two hands that are five. And then the next card's likely to be seven or higher. So you're going to have two hands, two shitty hands with 12 to 16 on them to draw to and of course drawing to those the next likely card is seven or higher and you get one of those and then you lose twice so i i started i'm kind of embarrassed right i'm pulling the other five back and he continues saying look always split eights and aces that way you're turning one losing hand either a 16 or a 12 into two winning hands 18s and 21s uh, assuming you get the face card, the, the 10, right? But splitting fives is just turning one likely winner into two sure losers. And that's where Arkansas comes in. Arkansas succeeded in getting medical marijuana on their ballot in 2012, and it just narrowly failed. You got a 49% support, 51% opposition. Just about half and half, just about 50-50, or just like a couple of fives. A winner, just waiting for the next face card or the next election to be dealt. But since 2012, the two leaders or two of the leaders who were behind that narrow loss in 2012, they parted ways. One, the fellow named David Couch, pursued a strict medical marijuana model that has no home cannabis cultivation by patients, no caregivers kind of thing, and a very limited set of the qualifying conditions. His partner, Melissa Fultz, on the other hand, pursued a model that has some home grow. If you're a patient 20 miles or more away from a dispensary and you can show a hardship, 
And it has more than twice of number of qualifying conditions. So both of these people, Couch and Fultz, proceeded gathering signatures on two separate medical marijuana initiatives. Now, Arkansas is not the first state where disagreements among activists have led to separate initiative campaigns. But usually the case is where one initiative is well-funded and professionally staffed, and the other one isn't. It's all volunteer, and it's grassroots, and it just fades away. Now, there was an exception this year in Maine. We had two well-funded and professionally staffed initiatives for legalization going on in Maine, and they were both headed to the ballot. But then the two campaigns came together, realizing it would be a bad idea to split the fives, and they found a way to compromise and just put forth one initiative. But Arkansas this year, Arkansas is the first state I've ever covered that has split the fives. Fultz and her Arkansas Medical Cannabis Act, that's the one with the home grow, the one the patients like, that one made the ballot first. But Couch wouldn't stop campaigning for his Arkansas Medical Marijuana Amendment, which is more business friendly. It's the dispensary only constitutional amendment. So as Couch's initiative was just about to make the ballot, the little old man at the blackjack table explaining the self-destructive act of splitting the fives was Marijuana Policy Project head rep Rob Campia. So Campia gets in touch with Couch to explain, look, two initiatives just makes winning harder or impossible since the two campaigns are going to be splitting their volunteers, their donations, their resources. They're going to confuse the voters and they're going to dilute their base support. And to sweeten the pot, Campia explained how donors, big money donors, were all ready to throw a million dollars at legalizing medical marijuana in Arkansas, but only if the initiative that was already on the ballot was the only one moving forward. That is, if Couch would drop his amendment after the act already made the ballot, the act would have gotten a million dollars to move forward to help campaign to get medical marijuana to the patients that they could home grow, and Couch rejected the deal. Couch argued that his amendment is more acceptable to conservative Arkansans. And if he didn't move forward with his, there'd only be the more liberal act on the ballot and it would fail and patients wouldn't get anything. So MPP then, of course, rescinded the $1 million offer. Couch's no-grow amendment makes the ballot as issue six. Fultz's limited-grow act is issue seven. And neither of them have anything close to a million dollars on hand to advertise their campaigns. Now, this week, the first Arkansas poll on the two ballot issues has been released. On issue six, 49% favor, 43% opposed. On issue seven, 53% oppose, 39% in favor. So the more conservative six, Couch's amendment is doing 10 points better than number seven. And that would seem to validate Couch's uh, reading of the electorate being more conservative. And the data also confirm Rob Campia's warnings about the vote splitting. The poll found that 25% of the people who support six are voting no on seven. But only 8% of the people voting yes on seven 
are voting no on six. Now, at this point, neither of those two initiatives are breaking 50% support. But if everybody who supported one of them also supported the other, if 100% of medical marijuana supporters voted for both of them, both of them have slim majority support. But that's not going to happen. Because if you're a seven supporter and you've just realized that you're losing because three times as many of your people support the opponent then they support you, you might figure you need to make up that deficit by only supporting seven and not supporting six. So more votes uh, disappear from six, the one that is got a chance to pass at this point, because the people who support medical end up choosing either six or seven. Not all of them. Well, I'm sorry. But I'm going to have to shoot you. But on the other hand, the people who hate medical marijuana are going to vote no on six and seven. So while our base turns into an or, their base stays an and, and both the initiatives lose. That's what happens when you split the fives. You took a sure winner and turned it into two sure losers. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. What can Arizona learn from Colorado? We can tightly regulate and tax the sale of marijuana. According to the Colorado State Government, marijuana use among high school students has not increased since legalization. At the same time, Colorado is generating millions in new tax dollars for public schools. Here in Arizona, we finally have a choice. We can vote yes on Prop 205 and provide $55 million to our public schools every year. Let's vote yes on Prop 205. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a great safety briefing. I'm feeling pretty safe right now. 
For this segment, we turn to our good friend Tom Angel out there at Marijuana.com, who I admire so much. I mean, this guy... I, I think that like I'm the guy who's sitting there waiting for the latest breaking marijuana story. Can't wait to... Tom's got me scooped every day, man. Every day. I swear, he's he's like Neo in the Matrix. They've got him plugged in directly uh, to some of this stuff because he finds stuff way before anybody else. Does a great job of it and manages to get quotes in almost all the mainstream stories that cover the major marijuana stories. So uh, big fan of what he's doing. And he's writing out at Marijuana.com and has a uh, column up today. Chelsea Clinton implies marijuana can kill you. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Clinton, of course, the uh, the uh, daughter of Bill and Hillary Clinton. Interestingly enough, could become the first first daughter to occupy the White House with two different uh, presidents. That's kind of interesting, I think. But uh, well, not she occupy the White House. She's got her own house and stuff now, but you get my drift. Anyway, uh, so Chelsea Clinton was appearing at Youngstown State University in Ohio, uh, speaking to young people, millennials, trying to drum up some support for her mom's candidacy because she is tanking with young people. People under the age of 30, can't she can't scrape up a vote. So Chelsea's out there hitting the stump, trying to humanize and... and relate make her relatable and get young people to support hillary so she's at youngstown state university appearing before a group of students and ends up getting questions uh about marijuana particularly what's hillary clinton's positions on marijuana reform and her point about rescheduling from schedule one to schedule two So Chelsea gets this question, and that's when things kind of go a little awry in her response. She says, quote, anecdotally, we have lots of evidence in epilepsy, but also in autism, in stimulating appetite for people who are on intensive chemotherapy regimens for people who have non-epilepsy seizure disorders and challenges. But we also have anecdotal evidence now from Colorado where some of the people who were taking marijuana for those purposes, the coroner believes after they died, there was a there was drug interactions with other things they were taking. End quote. Now, uh, grammar's a little messed up. She didn't mean it as it came out, which was after the person died, marijuana started interacting with drugs. (laughs) She's trying to say that marijuana interacted with these drugs after the person died, the coroner did the autopsy and could find that out. I, I, I pick on these things as a writer because uh, you know, words are my shit. But uh, she's trying to imply here or, or refer to a coroner supposedly in Colorado saying that there was a lethal drug interaction between marijuana and something else. Now, Tom reached out to the Clinton campaign trying to get some clarification on what the hell she's talking about, but hasn't gotten a response yet. Now, this is a, this has been pushed by our prohibitionist opponents. You know, they try to say, Oh, you know, Levi Tamba, that Wyoming kid, he, he ate a marijuana cookie and jumped out the hotel balcony. Uh, That's death from marijuana. 
No, that's death from a sudden fall, a sudden stop at the end of a long fall is what it is. Uh, also, what's the, the, uh, the what's his name? Kirk was his name or uh, the, the guy in Colorado who shot his wife after eating edibles. Right. And supposedly it drove him crazy and he had to kill her. Well, they, they're trying to push this because they want to you know, scare us about the legalization of marijuana. But it's a stupid scare if you think about it, because it's not like legalization invents marijuana. If there were hazardous drug interactions between cannabis and other drugs, we'd have found that by now. It would have already happened. We'd, we'd have this in the medical literature. It's not as if you legalize marijuana and then suddenly the marijuana transmogrifies into something that could mess up, say, I don't Lipitor. <laughs> I don't know. It, that's not the way it works, folks. The, we would have had those interactions already. We would have known there was a problem already. And the only drug interaction that we ever talk about on this show that has any sort of basis in fact is the interaction between marijuana and Viagra. Yeah, THC and Sildenafil, if you want to use their, uh, their drug names, the active ingredients there. And, and what they found is that cannabinoids make Viagra work more efficiently. <laughs> so uh, it's always a warning we hear from Dr. Mitch. He says, be careful on the mixing of the, the Viagra and the marijuana because you can end up with priapism, which is that you know, painful erection that lasts for more than four hours. Uh, if your erection lasts more than four hours, seek medical attention, preferably naughty nurses. No, that's just a joke. Uh, that's the only interaction we know of, though. That's the only one. And even that, we don't have cases or even a single case to show that it was lethal, that it was, that it was a big problem. I, yeah, a trip to the ER and a painful crotch, but not death, right? So this uh, remark by Chelsea Clinton uh doesn't have any basis in anecdote that I know of. I don't know where what anecdote she's getting because I I cover most of them that the anti-pop people try to put forth. In other uh, concerns regarding uh, Clinton's cannabis stance, uh, she reiterated the states' rights stance that uh, Hillary Clinton has mentioned a couple of times, saying, quote, she supports states making whatever choices they think are right vis-a-vis medical or recreational marijuana use, end quote. Now, uh, Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail has said that she's, quote, 100 percent in favor of medical uses for marijuana, end quote. And when we heard that, a lot of this kind of gave her some credit, you know, moved her up from that letter grade C of states' rights to that letter grade B of supporting medical marijuana. But in these latest remarks from Chelsea Clinton, we might have to downgrade her back to C because she, she said of the FDA approval process, quote, it's the gold standard for the world. And continued by saying, quote, we just need so much more data than we have so that people who might benefit have the chance to benefit. People who might be in danger are protected. So absolutely, my mom strongly supports the need for more rigorous study than subjecting it as we do everything else that might have a medicinal purpose to FDA approval, scrutiny and ultimately regulation, end quote. So, yeah, that's that's a little problematic because that's not a medical marijuana stand. 
That's Kevin Sabet's medical marijuana stand. Yes, yes, marijuana. It's medical. So let's uh, let's put it in a lab and take all its constituent parts out of it and put them into pills that we can barcode and mark up. We'll get the FDA to approve those and the uh, pharmaceutical buddies can make a huge profit. Now, it's not surprising or would not be surprising if indeed that is Hillary Clinton's position, being that she is almost wholly bought and sold and owned by corporate interests. And certainly these big drug manufacturers would love to see Schedule 2 cannabis that they could uh, perfect into all sorts of pills, sprays, and inhalers. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is indeed her position. But that's not a state's rights position. The states don't get FDA uh, uh, approvals. That goes through the federal government. So if that is her position... That medical marijuana can't be medical marijuana until the FDA says so. Then she's not in favor of 100% in favor of medical uses for marijuana. And in, in Chelsea's remarks here, as she talks about, we need so much more data. I encourage you listeners to go visit pubmed.gov, P-U-B-M-E-D dot gov. Now, PubMed.gov is the federal government, National Institute of Health repository database, if you will, of all the studies on medicine and drugs ever, ever, ever in the United States. Well, worldwide, actually, I think they cover. Go to that website, PubMed.gov. There's a little search thing right at the top. Click into that search thing and type in CANAB, C-A-N-N-A-B, CANAB. Like cannabis without the IS, just cannab. Type in cannab and put an asterisk at the end of it. And what that does is it forces the search engine to look for everything that starts with cannab, whether it's cannabis, cannabinoid, cannabidiol, cannabichromium, anything that starts with cannab, it's going to pick up. Run that search and you will find over 20,000 published studies on cannabis or cannabinoids. Over 20,000. We just need so much more data. How much more could you want? 20,000 published studies. Because we've got ibuprofen, we've got Adderall, we've got all sorts of drugs that have been approved by the FDA. Go to that same PubMed and type in Adderall and watch as you only get fewer than 200 results back one one hundredth the amount of data on adderall an amphetamine that we give to kids fda approved no problem that's medicine but gosh cannabis twenty thousand studies seven thousand years of human use with not a single recorded overdose dang it we just need more data just need more data we don't want people to suffer Well, I mean, they can suffer while we wait for the FDA to get it, you know, torn apart into constituent parts and profiting for the pharmaceutical companies. We can let them suffer until then. Sure. Makes me sick. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization. 
with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You're going to be a great granddad. Pretty cool. <laughs> Morgan is Ray Dawn's son. Uh, Morgan and his wife, Tracy, they've been trying to have a baby for quite some time. <laughs> Did you hear what I said to Morgan? What? Do you know who the father is? <laughs> the Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing... I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 437 here in the Pacific Time Zone. Quick reminder, for the rest of the week, we've got more previews of Marijuana Election Night 2016. That's just six weeks away. On tomorrow's show, we take a look at the state of Maine where question two up there would legalize marijuana and provide Maine with the most liberal legalization law in the country. Regulate Maine's David Boyer from the campaign will be joining us. We'll talk about that, and we'll follow that up tomorrow with our interview with David Dinenberg from Kind Financial. We're going to get into seed-to-sale tracking and finances and regulatory compliance on tomorrow's show. On Thursday... Jorge Cervantes joins us for Cultivator's Corner. So get your grow questions ready for Thursday. Jorge will be joining us. And then on Friday, Marijuana Election Night preview from the state of Massachusetts. We hope to have Jim Borgasini from Regulate Massachusetts on the show to discuss how their question four is doing in the Commonwealth. I also have to make a correction from uh, last segment because I, I was inaccurate and I always strive for accuracy. I said that if you went to PubMed and you typed in cannab asterisk for a search that you'd get over 20,000, uh, over 20,000 studies. And while what I said it was, was true, it was not quite accurate. B 
because it's actually over 30,000 studies now, over 30,000 studies on cannabis, cannabinoid, cannabidiol, anything that starts with C-A-N-N-A-B. Here's just a few published just this past week or or, uh, yeah, published just this past week, cognitive motor deficits in cannabis users. Cannabinoid receptor one mediates homing of bone marrow derived mesenchymal stem cells triggered by chronic liver injury. Cannabis for cognitive enhancement as a new coping strategy results from a survey of students at four universities in Germany. Alcohol use during a trial of N-acetylcysteine for adolescent marijuana cessation. Factors associated with having a medical marijuana card among veterans with recent substance use in VA outpatient treatment. A preliminary evaluation of synthetic cannabinoid use among adolescent cannabis users. Characteristics and treatment outcomes. Synthetic cannabinoids to avoid urine drug screens. Implications for contingency management and other treatments for drug dependence. And so on. Every possible study that could be done has been done, it seems. I, talking about the most niche, fringe, tiny uses of cannabis, like this, uh, uh, where was it? Oh, the, the cognitive enhancement, the, the cannabinoid receptors for bone marrow, for stem cells, for liver injury. Like, all right, Wow. Guys messed up, but we're going to study them and see how cannabis helps them, right? 30,000 studies. How much more data do they need? Well, folks, they don't need any more data. They're just, they're stalling. They're stonewalling. They're trying to run out the clock. That's what's going on right now. That's what's going on right now. They recognize that they, that the clock is ticking, that people recognize that cannabis is a medicine and they want it. They want it. There's a huge demand for it. And they're getting it through passing initiatives. So they've got to run out the clock because they're working on these clinical trials. We've, we brought you the news today. GW Pharmaceuticals, Epidiolex just passed its third phase three clinical trial. They're going to push for FDA approval starting in 2017. Epidiolex, this is their version of CBD only. This is their cannabidiol product. And you can bet Once GW gets the FDA to approve Epidiolex as a Schedule 2 or I'm betting it'd land up on Schedule 3, right? I mean, Marinol, synthetic THC is on Schedule 3. So a CBD product that doesn't get you high, how could that be ranked higher than than one that does? But I'm expecting Schedule 3. So... You get Epidiolex on Schedule 3 in uh, late 2017, early 2018. And all those states in the South, Iowa and Wisconsin and the mid, uh, Intermountain West states, uh, Utah, Wyoming, these states that have those CBD-only laws, okay, if you go out of state and go get some of that cannabis oil for your epileptic kid and bring it back into the state, we won't bust you. Those laws... Why would they need them anymore? Why wouldn't the uh, Alabama legislature repeal that CBD only law since now parents can use their health insurance to go to the pharmacy to buy Epidiolex and give it to their epileptic kid? And that's not an illegal federal drug. And that's not an illegal uh, uh, Alabama drug. That's a it's a perfectly legitimate drug. 
Why would we need a CBD only law if you got Epidiolex? That's the direction a lot of this stuff is going. That's the direction medical marijuana has to go. It can't not go that direction. And, and we can't not support it going in that direction, right? What are we supposed to do, right? We're supposed to, we're supposed to say, no, pharmaceutical companies, you may not process the cannabis plant to come up with derivatives of it. Only we can. <laughs> Only we can make hash and extracts and whatever else we want to make. But your big pharmaceutical company can't take cannabis plants and derive the constituents and make pills and sprays and inhalers out of them. Because number one, I mean, those preparations might be more beneficial in some cases. I, there's this, there's a, there's a, a thread of that cynicism and distrust and paranoia that runs through the cannabis community where it, it frames all pharmaceuticals and artificial things and synthetic things as evil per se, right? That, uh, that uh, oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's not natural. It's not natural. Let's go with natural stuff. And I, and I agree to an extent, right? You know, we should have cannabis being the medicine of first resort, not the medicine of last resort. Absolutely, I, I'm with you there. But that doesn't mean other medications made through pharmaceutical science aren't beneficial. Doesn't mean that they're naturally and irrevocably bad. There are people for whom the chronic pain they have cannot be alleviated solely through cannabis. They have to have opioids and powerful ones. So other drugs are not necessarily bad. And that means that other cannabinoid drugs aren't necessarily bad. I'm all for GW making their sprays and their pills and their inhalers and their tinctures and whatever else else they come up with. Enemas, I don't know, suppositories. Go for it. Just so long as I can still smoke the herb. That's all. Right? If, if we got home grow, if we got home grow, if we can have the herb, then they can do whatever the hell else they want with it. Marlboro can mass manufacture swaggy cigarettes if they want, swaggy joints. GW can make Epidiolex and Sativex and whatever else, hell else they want. I'm not using them. I'm not buying them. But I don't want to deny someone who might want to use them, might want to buy them, might get some benefit out of them. So long as I still have my needs taken care of, so long as I'm still getting the herbal medication that I want. That's why we may be approaching a crossroads here that we have to uh, we have to decide and we have to draw a line in the sand as to what we what is our deal breaker for the support of legalization. And, and this is, a, this is a, a line that, you know, I think naturally has to move a little bit, right? Because before any state had legalized, there's a desperate need to get a, a score on the scoreboard, right? To get the goose egg off the scoreboard, right? To break the, the shutout. So uh, Washington I-502, for example, the shittiest legalization we've yet passed, no home growing a per, per se DUID, uh, is still better than the prospect of no legalization and striking out and delaying once again that first establishment of a beachhead in legalization. But now 
would we support I-502? Or even better, after 2016 election and presuming all five of those states win, let's presume all five illegal states win and all five of them have home grow to some extent. Nevada's got that halo you can't grow within 25 miles of a, of a pot shop. But they all have home grow to some extent, right? So in the wake of every state in the past three elections passing legalization with home grow with the exception of Washington in that context we may be at a spot where we can say no home grow no legalization we might be at that spot we might be at the spot where we can say no home you know if it's an i502 again that it is not acceptable that we cannot support it anymore without home grow i don't know that we're there yet and i don't know that after 2016 we'll be there yet but it's something to think about what we expect from our legalization may become a, a, a more expansive list as we gain more and more victories. Because what we don't want to see happen is the opposite trajectory like what we saw with medical, what we've seen with medical marijuana, where we start with states that are very open and liberal and let you home grow a whole lot of plants and there's dispensaries and yippee, it's all great. And as that evolved, election after election, year after year, it became more and more restrictive, more restrictive condition lists, fewer home grow plants, no home grow plants, smaller personal possession, no plant at all. You've got to get an oil or a tincture. You can't smoke anything, right? It's gotten more and more restrictive. It's marched into a box canyon as 20 years have passed. We don't want that same trajectory for legalization. Now, to be fair, the medical trajectory, a lot of that's based on the fact the first states are initiative states. You can go for more. The, the latter states are, are, are legislative states. You have to compromise. No doubt about that. But do we want to see that same sort of legislative compromise when Texas starts getting around to legalizing or, or Missouri or, or Wisconsin? Or should we set the precedent that we started with Washington and Colorado, a bad and a limited legalization system followed it up with Oregon and Alaska that opened it up a little bit more followed that up with California, Massachusetts, Maine, Arizona, and Nevada that vastly opened up legalization more. Let's set that precedent where every election, the legalization gets better so that when it does get to the legislative States that do have to make more compromises, we don't have to compromise so far back. We don't have to lose so many steps or lose so much progress, and we can still keep pushing that legalization to become more and more liberalized. I also think that we may benefit in legalization not heading down that more restrictive path because there's no reason for it to. With medical, as it continued to evolve, there was a pressure to make sure that the potheads weren't crossing the line into the patients. We got to keep the patients and the potheads separate. And that pressure, I believe, was a large part of the reason why these laws got more restrictive because too many potheads were getting over the line in California and Washington. And so the, the next successive state said, we're not going to be like California and ratcheted down the restrictions. Legalization won't suffer from that problem because we're not trying to artificially divide who the cannabis consumers are that are legal.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Raising money for our schools isn't the only reason to regulate and tax marijuana, but it's a good reason. Being a mother of a special needs child, I know that there's financial deficiencies in our school. Schools need every dollar they can get. Regulating and taxing marijuana would generate tens of millions of dollars for Arizona schools. I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother, and I'm a public school teacher. And I'm voting yes on Prop 205. It's time to regulate and tax marijuana like alcohol in Arizona. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a skunk. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Just closing up shop here. And, uh, boy, I'm so, I'm just so thrilled about marijuana election night coming up. Going to be very exciting. We're looking at uh, interfacing with numerous uh, local affiliates that are going to tap into our feed. And I'll be reporting for their audiences the votes on marijuana legalization. It's going to be pretty exciting. So check us out. MJ election night is happening November 8th. That's Tuesday. That's six weeks away. Starting at my regular showtime, 3 p.m. Pacific, and running all the way to 9 p.m. Pacific or midnight Eastern. We're going to cover it all, wall to wall, every marijuana vote. And I believe we're going to do really good. Uh, polls in California are 60%. In uh, Maine and Nevada, we've got 53%. And in Massachusetts and Arizona, we've got 50%. So we're looking good there. Florida medical marijuana. Last poll I saw, 73%, I think it was. They need 60. 73% sounds pretty good. 
We don't have polling out of North Dakota or Montana that's within the past even year or two to report on. But we do have that terrible poll out of Arkansas. And I I was talking about this earlier in the uh, splitting the fives rant where 25 percent of the six supporters are voting no on seven, but only eight percent of the seven supporters are voting no on six. And I think what has happened here is a dynamic that you see on the game show, The Price is Right. You know when you watch The Price is Right and they got the four people in the bidder row there and they got some prize they're bidding on and one, one person, $400 and $600 and $800, right? And the fourth guy recognizes that all three of those people bid way too much. It's like that thing's not that expensive, right? But the rules of Price is Right is closest without going over, right? So to be safe, you don't say... 350 or 300 or 200 because you still might be too high to guarantee that you're going to win that uh, that showdown you bet a dollar right that way anything that's between a dollar and four hundred dollars the next highest bid well if it's in that range you win right so you always see that these people betting a dollar because they know they can undercut the other bidders and win the prize that's what's happened to Arkansas. See, in Arkansas, David Couch made the bet that Melissa Fultz and the Issue 7 people pushing, and again, I support Issue 7. I, I, it's a better initiative, and Normal has endorsed it. It's better, right? But it's this case of, do we write what's good, or do we write what will pass? And I think the 7 campaign ended up in the situation of relying too much on what would be a good initiative. Let's have some home grow. Let's put as many conditions in it as possible. And so Couch looked at that and said, ah, they've overbid. They've overbid with the public. And I'm going to bet a dollar. And so he comes forth with a more conservative initiative that has no home grow, dispensary only, and fewer qualifying conditions. Betting that the other campaign overbid, put out something too progressive for the voters to accept, and that what they will accept is in that range below issue seven in expansiveness. And it looks like he was right because the polls are coming out saying there's a 49-47 support for the conservative initiative, 50, uh, was it 53-39 opposition to the more liberal initiative. He underbid him, and it looks like he was right. And this throws a a whole complicated uh, mess, uh, monkey wrench, into the the situation in Arkansas because at first the seven campaign could justifiably complain that, hey, we made the ballot first. Once we made the ballot, you should have dropped out so we don't split the, the vote. And especially after Rob Campia said there was a million bucks for us, By staying in, you cost us a million bucks. You may have hurt the patients since we won't be able to pass seven. But now with the polls showing up the way they are, Couch can respond and say, uh, no, because had I not gone forward, all that would be on the ballot is issue seven that only gets 39% support from the voters. Had I not continued, had I not fought MPP and rejected the $1 million bribe, then, uh, 
the initiative that I've got that's on the ballot that's actually getting plurality support that Arkansas might actually pass wouldn't have been on the ballot. So who would have been hurting patients then? Both of these sides can make an argument that they've done what's right for the patients, and both of them could be right. That's all the time we got for today, folks. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you're you're it, 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 you're it,